Welcome to Rad Reading, a bookish podcast where the R stands for refresh and the D stands for discover, and where we try to help you do those two things for your reading life. I'm Ronnie Lauren, a best-selling romance author who likes her reading life to be big on variety and full of complicated characters. And I'm Dawn Alexander, an indie editor who never met a whodunit she didn't want to solve or an intricate plot she didn't want to untangle. We are two very different readers, but two very good friends who love to talk books. Join us as we tackle reading roadblocks, give our best bookish tips, and of course, recommend all the great reads that have kept us turning the pages that week. Let's get started. Hey, you guys, it's Ronnie. I just wanted to pop in real quick before this episode starts to let you know we were having a bit of an internet connection problem when we recorded this episode. We've since fixed the problem, but if you hear any choppiness in the audio, we apologize for that. It won't be there next time. Enjoy the episode. Welcome back to Rad Reading. I'm Dawn. And I'm Ronnie. And today we are talking about a reading roadblock because each week we have a theme and reading roadblocks are our themes for the first week of the month. And Dawn, what's our reading roadblock we're tackling this time? This week, we are tackling reading despite distractions. Yes. So I think everyone who's listening to this can probably relate (laughs) that it's very easy to pick up our phones at night or in the morning or listen to something else in the car besides books. And sometimes that can push out our reading altogether. So in November and, you know, the coming months is holiday months. It gets really, really busy. And so We need some downtime and we need some reading time. So we're here to help you today to try to push out those distractions so that in the pockets of time that you do have during the holidays, you can get some reading time squeezed in. So um, Dawn, are you generally busy during this month, November? November is usually crazy for me work-wise because as we've mentioned before, I am an editor. I do work mostly with independent authors and I take the week of Thanksgiving And the two weeks around Christmas completely off and do family things and read the things that I want to read that aren't work related. So generally in November, I am buried in trying to get client stuff done because everybody wants everything finished before the end of the year. So they've got their new releases set up for next year. Right. So you did your reading suffer? It does in a way, but then I have that week of Thanksgiving where I have plans usually to read all the things. Mm -hmm. And then the week of Christmas, I have plans to read double all the things. (laughs) Right. So sometimes that works out. Sometimes that doesn't. Yeah. I look through my reading journal and generally my reading dips in November. And then I rebound in December, December, I think, because you get those two weeks off, you know, but um, I have noticed that I definitely pick certain types of books. We had talked about seasonal reading in a previous episode in episode two and November seems to be my month of dark fantasy books. So one year it was ninth house um, that we've talked about before. And the other was the invisible life of Adelie LaRue. So this year I just ordered my book of the month and I picked the keeper of night by Kylie Lee Baker, which seems to be a YA fantasy. So I'm going to just start making November my YA fantasy or adult fantasy theme month. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I definitely have to pay attention to not let distractions get to me because I, I can suffer from that a lot too. So, Well, and it's so easy because you're exhausted mm-hmm. from all of the holiday expectations. Yes. And I tend to host one of the holidays. So this year I'm going to be hosting Christmas. So it definitely takes a lot of time to prepare for that and do all the cooking and buy all the things and make sure everybody's got what they need. And so this year I'm trying to do Christmas brunch to make it easier on myself because brunch food, everybody loves brunch (laughs) and it's easier, (laughs) it's easier to make than a turkey. So I think I'm going to go with a Christmas brunch theme, but all right. So 
if you're like us, if you're busy, you know, and trying to still get your reading in for this month, what can you do to make those reading times more quiet and distraction-free? So we have a couple of tips for you. And if you follow me on my blog, I'm like really into distraction-free stuff and taming the phone and all of that. So this is a sweet spot for me because I have gone on this journey over the last couple of years of learning these things. So what is our first tip, Dawn, for taming our phones? Well, and I love this because I use this um, when I'm working and that is putting it on do not disturb mode for certain hours. Mm -hmm. So I have my phone set up to where during the work day, which anybody who runs their own business knows work day is a very fluid term, Mm -hmm. but during the work day, I don't get text or notifications on my phone except from my family. I have them Mm -hmm. set up as an emergency bypass That's the only time my phone goes off or um, my business email comes to my phone. Yeah. I'm with you on the notification thing. I am super anti-notification for almost everything except family stuff um, in phone calls. Cause if somebody's calling me on the phone, usually that means it's something important because nobody else calls anymore. (laughs) Everybody texts. So I put my do not disturb on at eight o'clock at night, but otherwise if I'm working, I just turn silent on my phone. Um, But if I'm reading for sure, it's silent and put away. And I actually ended up having a conversation with my son about this last night because he's been having issues with his phone. He's, you know, almost 14. So they are attached to their phones and we were watching our nightly TV and stuff. And he kept pulling out his phone. And so I have put in screen time restrictions back on him at 8 PM, which is when mine go on. And he was not a happy camper (laughs) last night. So we, (laughs) we had to have the discussion about it is not your phone. You are mm-hmm. letting you borrow this phone. We pay for that phone. So we talked him through it. He's been through distraction-free stuff with me before. I've done device-free summers with him when he was younger. So he knows mom is the annoying mom who is going, <laughs> going to tame distractions for him when he can't. Um, but talking to him about it, I saw myself in it. I'm like, this is me sometimes as I keep picking up that phone instead of watching the TV show or reading the book. So do not disturb as your friend. Also, sometimes do not disturb is not enough. So if you're still picking it up because you're checking things like your social media, put it in another room. And my son last night decided since he was on do not disturb, we all needed to be do not disturb. He brought out socks and told us all to put each of our phones into a sock so we nice. can see the screen. <laughs> so he's coming up with his own. They method. were clean socks. They because, were uh... yes, they were clean socks. But uh, yeah, he he was you know turning it back on us. Um, So yeah, consider just leaving your phone in the other room, especially if you know that if anybody has an emergency, it's going to, it's going to ring, you know, if you have Mm -hmm. your emergency contacts coming through and you're not going to miss anything on Facebook, that's that important. Well, and I think you can point out, we're not saying that you need to put your phone in the other room for 18 hours, put it aside for 20 minutes, start there and work your way up. That way, you know, for these 20 minutes, I am completely free. And I can read or I can breathe sometimes just during the holidays. I can sit here and stare. (laughs) Right. And it really is muscle memory sometimes. Like I'll pick up my phone just because it's next to me and not realize that I'm doing it. So reading a book and you hit like you go to the next chapter and you just naturally reach to pick up your phone and check. Do you have anything new? So if it's not in the room with me or if it's even across, you know, the room from me, it kind of puts that little pause in the habit cycle. So that I have to go, oh, why do I, why am I reaching for that? I don't need that. Um, if you find that you're 
really having trouble. Like you're, you've never done kind of the distraction free thing. So it's all new to you and you're getting like that itch too much and to pick it up. Um, consider taking things like social media apps off your phone for 30 days, which can sound shocking to some people, (laughs) you know, if you've never done something like that, but if you can only check your social media on your desktop or, you know, whatever you use as your main work vehicle, um, iPad or something, then it can, you can still keep up with things. You can still, if it use it for work, like both me and Don use it for work, but you can still check in, check your mentions, all of that, but it's not on your phone everywhere you're going. So those 30 day, day social media detoxes, I've done them multiple times through the years. I tend to do them around this time of year because everything gets so crazy. Um, it really can help and it kind of breaks that habit cycle. So in place of all that time you're spending on your phone, if you look at that little screen time thing of how much you use, you know how Apple's really fun that it sends you the, here's your screen time for the week. <laughs> so considerate of it. Yes. So those six hours that are on your phone, you can use some of those for reading. So, well, and I think one point that um, really hit home with me on this is a friend of mine um, who's a therapist pointed out once if you don't manage your time, someone else will. Mm-hmm. And I think having the notifications of if you get a notification from Facebook every time somebody posts something or you get an Instagram notification, that's somebody else managing your time. That's yes. somebody else determining now you're going to look at your phone when you really want to look at your book. Right. So I think that's an important step there to you. Yeah. And if you need to get mad about it, cause it helps me sometimes to get mad. Like Facebook is trying to steal my time. So I get pissed off at Facebook <laughs> and that's why I take it off my phone, you know, every now and then like it's off my phone right now because I'm like, no, he doesn't, Mark Zuckerberg doesn't get to steal my reading time <laughs> with all his <laughs> algorithms that try to trick my brain into picking up my phone. So whatever you need in your personality to get mad or to get, you know, quiet, do that. Um, and like Don said, there's emergency family bypass for stuff. So you're not going to miss anything that's vitally important. So yes. that is first line of defense, get that distraction out of the way. Uh, and then next you can set small goals to help you retrain your focus because you'll find if you haven't tried to do that distraction free thing before, it's really hard at first. And your brain is like reaching, reaching, reaching. So sometimes you got to retrain yourself to focus and that might mean things like reading for 10 minutes a day, like Dawn was saying, 20 minutes, that's your reading time and nobody's going to touch it. Or like we mentioned in the very first episode, I think reading five pages a day, if you're out of the reading habit. Um, and if a book is good, you'll probably want to read more. Well, and I think that goes into our next tip about reading the opening pages of different books to see if that captures your mood. Because if the book is good, that's the key. You need to be sucked in. Because if you're going to replace a habit with reading, the reading needs to be worth whatever you're replacing. Yes. And sometimes you don't know what mood you're in. Sometimes you think you're in one thing and then you pick up a book and you're like, I don't feel like reading. No, you just don't feel like reading that book. So consider getting a stack of books either from your shelves or your, you know, virtual shelves or for the library and just say, okay, I'm going to flip through and read the first couple of pages of each of these and whatever one kind of grabs me, then that's what I'm going to go with. That's that happened to me this week because I had a book that I was just, I wasn't feeling it, you know, and I kept putting it aside and I'm like, okay, I'm going to take my own advice from the DNF episode and go pick up other things. <laughs> and so I ended up listening to an audiobook instead. I was just in a place that I needed that kind of book and, you know, something where I can be doing chores and listen to something. So yes, doing what I 
if you listen to the currently reading podcast, which is a great podcast, Meredith on that podcast calls this a book flight. So she literally goes and checks out a bunch of books from the library and then just reads the first couple of pages and knows she can send the other ones back to the library. There's no pressure if she doesn't want to read the other ones. So I thought that was a really good idea. Well, and the great thing about that is you can check out a book from the library again. Mm -hmm. So if you check out a bunch of books from the library and you read through them and you're like, "Eh, I'm not in the mood for this one right now, two weeks from now, you could go back to that and get that very same book and it doesn't cost you anything. Right. And the library has that fancy thing of you can push a hold again. Like if you, a hold comes up that you've been waiting for and it's like, "Eh, I'm not in the mood for this right now, but I still want to read it in the future. You can just push that hold further back and let somebody else get in line in front of you. Um, so I did that this week too, but if you look at your day, if you hear in the background moaning ghost noises, you guys, um, in Texas, Ronnie's house is haunted. (laughs) Don't listen to anything she's telling you right now. So we have like 40 to 50 mile an hour winds in Texas today. Um, and my window in my office faces a prairie, which has nothing to, you know, block the wind. So my window moans from the wind. So if you hear that in the background, I'm really sorry. Um, But yeah, it could be a ghost as well. So hopefully it's a friendly one. We needed it for our Halloween episode. That would have been perfect in the background. The timing. Um, So consider making an appointment for reading. I tend to read at night when my son goes to shower. He takes a really, really long shower. So I know I'm going to get at least 30 minutes to sit there quietly. My husband's going to be doing his own thing, playing video games or something. And this will be our time to kind of unwind. And that's when I know I have guaranteed reading. And then the other pockets of time I use are all of my commuting when I'm bringing my son to things or going grocery shopping or whatever. That's when I get my audiobook time. So I can often read two books in a week because one I'm listening to on audio and getting through that way, listening at one and a half speed, which my family is completely (laughs) freaked out. Why are they talking so fast? but I don't hear it as fast. I've trained myself up to listening to that fast. Um, So now I couldn't listen to one speed. I'd be like, oh my God, so slow. What are they going to talk quicker? But um, so I can get two books done that way with that little pocket of time in the evening and then my commute time for audiobooks. But Dawn, do you have like an appointment for reading or it's just squeeze in where you can? Mine is usually in the evenings because I spend all day reading. Mm -hmm. And so mine is usually in the evenings after I've walked away from my desk and we've had dinner and the teenagers go to their rooms and my husband's doing whatever he's got on the TV. If I have a book I'm really interested in, that's when I sit there and read or maybe about 20 minutes before bed, I'll sit there and read. Now, as far as finding the pockets of time, that is hard for somebody like me because I am a, I want to read the whole book right now. Mm -hmm. And you talked about your husband playing video games. My husband, back when we were dating, um, he's a big gamer. I don't, video games are not my thing. And I thought he was the sweetest guy ever. Because when he wanted a new game, he would take me to the bookstore first. (laughs) And buy me books. Mm -hmm. And then he would be like, oh, do you mind if we pop in this game store? I heard this new game's coming out. And then we would go back to his apartment and he would play video games all afternoon and I would read all my new books. And I thought he was just amazing. (laughs) And he is amazing. But it took me like years to figure out I was being had on that. (laughs) Because in one of the reasons that that worked for him is because I will sit there and read an entire book in one sitting and completely forget the rest of the world. So when I have to think about, I only have 20 minutes to read this, Mm -hmm. 
sometimes it's tempted to be like, well, then I'm just not even going to start. Yeah. And it's, so if you're like me and you're a, I like to devour the entire book in one sitting, I don't just want an appetizer. We're going to have some options for people like that later. Yeah. And I, I can do the short amount of time, but I do, when I'm into a book, I do start looking for every pocket of time so that I can binge through it. But yeah, I rarely get the chance to read a book all the way through. So I'm not um, as much of a binge reader, just because I think a lot of the books I pick up are long, <laughs> So, yes. but, and you're, you're probably a very fast reader too. You, you edit all day. So you're used to, you know, yes, I read very that. quickly and, um, and I, I have gotten faster at reading. I can skim some things that I know are not necessary in the book. <laughs> so it was like description of the setting, blah, blah, blah. I can skip. Um, but yeah. All right. And then, like I mentioned with my kind of audiobook and print book thing, you can read multiple books at the same time, you guys. So use it's this. It's allowed. <laughs> yes. Because sometimes like if you know you're going to be tired at night, that literary fiction novel that requires a lot of your brain power to read through is maybe not the best pick at nine o'clock at night when you've had an exhausting day. That's when you slide in something light or fluffy or whatever that means for you. Easy reading means for you, which might look different. You know, horror might be easy reading for me, but not for you. Um, so look for things that based on what your energy level is going to be. Maybe you have an easier read at night and then you tackle the other ones on the weekend or, you know, when you have more time to focus on that thing. So consider reading more than one at a time. I usually do this with one print and or one ebook and one audio that works for me. But Dawn, do you read multiple books or because of the binge reading, you do one at a time? Well, I do read multiple books because I'm reading client work and whatever else I'm working mm -hmm. on. But if I am like during my, I'm going to read all the things week, I read one book at a time Yeah, because it's, I, I, I have to get it done. So mm -hmm. I have to read through here and then I can move on to the next one. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. So we're talking about being tired, you know, and trying to find the energy to read. So there are some books that are better for the distracted brain than others. Like we were talking about a very intricate literary fiction might not be the easiest thing to jump into if you're distracted. So we're going to go over some different types of books that may be perfect if you're finding yourself really distracted, but you want to get some reading in. So what's our first group, Dawn? So one of the best books, I think, for a distracted brain is the fast starters, the ones that are going to suck you in and you're going to want to keep reading. And that way you're not having that. I'm reading this. It's okay. I really need to be folding the laundry. You want the thing that makes the laundry wait. Right. Right. I needed this desperately this week. So this was my issue this week as I kept picking up books that weren't <clears throat> excuse me, there weren't fast starters. So finally I found one that was because I just couldn't, I couldn't do slow this week. And usually I'm a reader who can do slow start um, or slow burn kind of things, but not this week. So some of the fast starters could be what the genre is. So thrillers, they should be fast starting. Not too many mm -hmm. are slow burn. Um, you can have a slow burn mystery or suspense, but a slow burn thriller really wouldn't fit the genre. Um, romance is often, you know, fast starting. So pick up that first chapter and see not all romances are fast, but a lot of them, especially your more modern ones. If you go back to, you know, the eighties and stuff, they build character a little longer sometimes, or they build setting a little longer, but modern romances start pretty quick. And Dawn, you, you edit a lot of those. So you would say yes. it's a quick starter. Well, and my opinion on that is that the genres have changed a lot. Mm -hmm. Because if you do go back to the 80s, books weren't competing with so many other things for your time. 
Right. So you had a little bit more time to settle into that character and you had a little bit more time to settle into the settings, which is why when you go way back, um, Rebecca, so many descriptions of flowers, when you go way back to that, they expected you to completely immerse yourself into this world. And now I see, especially with romance, it's okay. I've got to capture you and get you going. I want you interested in these people and the books tend to move kind of quicker. And I will say, if you go look at first lines of books, that will, I'm obsessed with first lines as a writer, but if you go look at first lines, it will tell you almost always if it's going to be a fast start or not. That first line, if it grabs you, that probably means we're going to just take off running. Um, If it's some slow description about something, then maybe that's not a fast starter. Um, Another genre, well, this is, I don't know if YA is considered a genre because there's so many genres under YA, but YA is a type of, you know, book. So if you want a fast starter, the young adults in our world are very distracted. They're used to a fast moving, (laughs) um, very digital world. So YA writers have to capture that group by being very fast starting and very, you know, pull you in immediately. So look for YA if you're looking for fast starters as well. Well, and this goes back to our first episode about the life-changing magic of DNFing a book. Mm -hmm. You absolutely have permission to let go of a book that does not suck you in. In this season, if you are fighting for time and holding on to your precious reading moments, let it go if it doesn't keep your attention. Yeah. Use that shelved system that I talked about in that first episode of it might not be right for you right now. You don't, if you think maybe I want to read it later when I have, you know, more focus, just put it aside and put it on, you know, quote unquote shelved for now. So, and the main thing is you want books that are going to be more interesting than turning on Netflix, than picking up your phone and scrolling through Instagram. So it has to be a book that's going to make you not want to do those things. Another good option is shorter books. So sometimes when you see a 400 page book sitting there in your nightstand, or you see that you're 2% in, you know, and you've been reading for a while in your ebook that it can feel intimidating, kind of overwhelming. And for me, a person who likes to check off boxes on a to-do list, I want to be able to say, I finished something. So I, you know, sometimes a shorter book is more appealing to me because I'm like, I can check that off. I can enjoy it and feel like I did something and accomplished something. Also shorter books tend to have to move quicker, right? I mean, Dawn, you, you edit a lot of books that are kind of in that 55 to 65,000 word zone, right? Yes. You tend to have less intricate plots, mm-hmm. but not as, that doesn't mean less intriguing. It just means they're not quite as complicated. It's not necessarily a huge family saga unless it is spread out over multiple books, which makes it even easier. Mm-hmm. But you have the quick and less time spent on description, more time spent on your characters or more time spent on whatever the mystery is that keeps you turning those pages, which also is the other side of that is yes, it's the shorter book, but again, it's the, but I want to get it finished. Mm -hmm. Um, Because their goal as an author, of course, is to get you to turn to that next page. Yeah. And those books in I'm saying word counts, which I know, like if you're, you know, a reader and not a writer, you might not think about what a word count actually looks like. So a normal quote unquote, normal novel, typical novels, 90 to hundred thousand words. Those are the books I tend to write or mine or in that Dawn will laugh because my mind tend to go over a hundred. Sometimes I tend to write long books, but a lot of romances, mysteries, and thrillers even can be in that 55 to 65,000 words. You're going to have less subplots like Dawn says. So there's going to be a main focus on the main plot and usually one subplot at the most, mm-hmm. not a bunch of different things going on. So they tend to lean heavily on tropes as well. 
which can make them faster reads. If you're used to romance and you know this is a friends to lovers, and so you kind of can predict what's going to happen, but how are they going to do it is the joy of it. So how are they going to get there? Um, but it can make it feel like an easier read because you're kind of reading, you know, something that feels familiar. Well, and leaning on those tropes is absolutely okay because that makes it a little bit less of a risk. Mm-hmm. Like if I know I love a good friends to lovers story and this book flat out tells me this is a friends to lovers story, I'm totally going to pick that one up to where if the one next to it says this is a secret baby, well, secret babies aren't my thing. I'm not going to look at that one right now because it may be a great story and I may enjoy it. But if I'm looking at my limited amount of reading time, I'm going to go for the sure thing. Yeah, me too, for sure. Yeah, I'm not a big secret baby person either. (laughs) I don't like babies in my books in general. (laughs) Especially in romance, they're hard to keep track of. Where did the baby go while they're doing this love scene? But um, another option for something shorter is short stories and or essay collections. So these are great because they allow you to like pop in and just read one of the short stories or one of the essays and you feel like you completed something. And as somebody, like I said, who likes to check off a box, I like that feeling. And it also, you can jump around. So a lot of times in a short story collection, you don't have to read them in order. So you can go pick the one that sounds most interesting to you. And, you know, same thing with essays. Well, and then you also have some, this is kind of a new thing that's kind of come out a little bit is you have the episodic fiction that's coming out. Mm -hmm. So you have like Vellum, which is very new on Amazon, but I think it's getting some traction. And then there's other apps to where you just read an episode Mm -hmm. and then you have to, you know, there's a natural break there that has you either put it down or move on to the next one. Right. Yeah. I actually had one of my books on Radish for a while, which is an episodic kind of app that you can use on your phone. And I have lots of suggestions for essays and collections and stuff. So we'll get to our suggestions in a little while, but the other favorite category in this for me is memoirs. So particularly celebrity memoirs. I love a good juicy celebrity memoir. So I don't even have to know the celebrity that much. I just really like (laughs) the whole thing. You just want the dirt. (laughs) Yes. And these, I have to do an audio because I just, they have so much more to them when it's the person that wrote the book, reading it to you. So these are really compelling. They're super easy to listen to. They go really fast and it just feels like you're listening to a friend tell you a story. So it's not like I'm reading a book. It's really just, I'm going to sit down with my girlfriend and she's going to tell me all these crazy stories about Hollywood or whatever um, the essays are. But yeah, that's my go-to when I'm really, really brain tired and have no focus. I can do a celebrity memoir. Dawn, are you into the celebrity memoirs? (laughs) I do not do memoirs. I do have two suggestions when we get there for memoirs and I will freely admit I stumbled on them by complete accident. Memoirs are just not something I seek out. And it's so funny because you're a person who like loves to tell a good story and like, oh, and and I love sitting and listening to people mm-hmm. tell me stories all day long. And so I don't know why I don't seek them out, yeah. but I just don't. And then the other category, we've talked a little bit about it, but genres with some predictability. So if you're tired, like we've talked about with the tropes, these can be particularly relaxing because you know what friends to lovers look like. You know, these two people who have been best friends forever are going to end up together. How they're going to get there is, you know, the author's magic is they're going to do it in a different way, hopefully, and not a, a boring way. 
but you know that where the end's going to be. So you can kind of let your mind just, it's not trying to figure out 10,000 things. It's just kind of can get lost in the story and mysteries Don, you read a lot of mysteries. So yes. And I love that they're going to solve it. The mystery is going to be solved in romance. They're going to fall in love. This is why it is very important on those Amazon um, descriptions that people tell you if something is a cliffhanger or they tell you if it is the first book in a duet or the first book in a trilogy, because hell hath no fury, like someone who has read this book and I am all the way in, we are going to solve the mystery, heroine gets kidnapped and it's now I have to click on book two. And if it's a busy season in your life and you're like, I'm going to get through a book and then it's a cliffhanger and it's another 400 page book next. Like, yeah, that that's like a knife to the, the reading heart. Like, no, no. So that's why it's important to have those in the, put that in the description. Yes. yes. Because I will still pick up your trilogy or your duet. Sure. I'm, I'm okay with cliffhangers, but I need to know what I'm going into. But there is very much some comfort in knowing, and I'm going to recommend some specific authors later that. I know they're going to solve this. I know that when this is all done, I'm going to feel like I have accomplished something. And then I can look around my house. It has to be scrubbed from top to bottom in the next three hours. And I can do it because I have accomplished something. Right. And then another way to kind of go with the predictability thing is get lost in a series. So say your holiday season is going to be really crazy, but you know, you love so-and-so author, and they have a five book series of romances or mysteries or a fantasy or whatever it is, you can say, okay, this holiday season is just going to be about this series. And you can work your way through without feeling like, A, you have to finish something quickly and Mm -hmm. you're in familiar worlds each time. So when you start book two, especially if it's a fantasy or something, you already know the world, you know, the side characters, you know, you feel like you're going back home to something. And that can be really just an easier reading experience because you don't have to start fresh with, I got to relearn all these people, these new people that I've never met before. I have to learn this world. All of that's already taken care of for you in that first series book. So sometimes, and I've done this, like I'm going to have some recommendations too, but that to me is a really like easy reading comfort experience is when I work my way through a series. Well, and it's less of a risk, like we've talked about too, of if we are being protective of this time, if I know I like the series, I know I like the characters, I know I like the setting, then you feel like you're taking less of a risk diving into book two mm-hmm. than picking up something completely fresh. Yeah. The only bad side of that is sometimes it leaves you with a huge hangover, a book hangover, which I'm sure we'll talk about book hangovers in some future yes. episode. <laughs> Cause I could talk a lot about that, but that's what I suffer with, with series is I get to the end of the series and if it was great. I'm like, nothing else will ever be the same. I will never be able to pick up a book. That's as good. <laughs> I've been ruined for all other books. Yes. So, but that's a good feeling too. Cause it means you had a really good experience, but, and then our other category is kind of taking the complete opposite of what we were talking about. Shorter books and fast reading is a doorstop book. So this is a giant book, you know, that's six to 800 to more pages. And it's something you can work through more slowly in the holiday season. Like a 700 book about a 700 page book about a lizard. Of course, if you haven't listened to our previous episodes, (laughs) you'll know where that joke comes from. But yeah, this lets you kind of dip into something knowing that it's going to be a long journey. So it takes the pressure off of I have to finish this soon. I have to, you know, get to the end of this book. It's no, this is going to take me a month or two to get through because it's going to be a thousand pages or whatever it is. 
So I don't get into long books normally. So do you think your binge reading Dawn is what gets you to not like long books because you can't finish it in one sitting if it's a thousand pages? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And see, I'm intimidated by long books, but I do usually read one or two a year, but mine is more about my achiever thing of that checking off the list stuff is that I'm doing book reading challenges. I'm doing, you know, the reading challenge on Goodreads. And I'm like, I'm going to read a thousand pages and it's only going to count for one, (laughs) you know, (laughs) I need to break this down. (laughs) So that, you know, gets to me. However, every, almost every time I can't think of a really long book that I've read all the way through that I made it all the way through that didn't become a favorite. There's something about that long reading experience that it becomes so much a part of you because you've been with those people for so long that it sticks with you and for somebody to write that much, they had to do a lot of characterization, which I love a character driven mm-hmm. book, but they also had to have a lot of plot because you can't do a thousand pages of just character. Um, so I think I love those books when I read them. I just have the most trouble starting, <laughs> you know, like, yes. And that's probably, that's probably my block about it too, mm-hmm. is if I look at it and I'm looking at the thickness of it and because I will read entire series Mm -hmm. that have 10 plus books and I will read the entire series. And that seems less intimidating to me than picking up a book that has 700 pages in it. Yes. Yeah, I agree. So your mileage may vary, but maybe if you haven't tried it before, try to pick up a long book or something that even a classic that's slowly moving, it's something that you can just do it, you know, steadily through the season and not have that pressure of picking new books You're just trying Mm -hmm. to get through this one, which that decision fatigue thing can be real. So it takes away that decision fatigue. But the other option is comfort reads. So reads that you know you're going to like, that you know the author or that it's a reread or, you know, there's some aspect to it that provides you with comfort. We're not going to get deeply into that because why, Dawn? (laughs) Because we have a whole episode about it next week. Yes. Which I'm super excited about. So, but we're going to do a whole episode on comfort reads and our favorite comfort reads and hanging out with all those old friends. And it's going to be awesome. Yes. So make sure you tune in next week and get all of our recommendations in our different types of comfort, comfort reads, because it doesn't necessarily have to be a reread. It could be a genre that you find comforting and things. So we're going to go through all of that, but all right. Well, those are our tips for distraction-free reading, but now we get to the fun part where we get to tell you. Um, some of our recommendations for these different categories. And why don't you start us off, Dawn, with fast starters? Of course, we know that I'm into thrillers, I'm into mysteries, that kind of thing. And so my suggestion for a thriller, if you're just looking for something you can pick up and it's going to suck you right in and speed your way through it, is Chasing Vega by Terry Shepard. This starts off in the villain's POV, and it is a woman drugging a man and throwing him off a canyon. Oh, <laughs> as you do. I was going to say, I hate when that happens. <laughs> right, yes. <laughs> That's when those dates go bad, I'm telling mm-hmm. you. Um, and then it immediately jumps into a police raid on a home. And the main character is a female cop. Her name is uh, Jessica. And it's the story of the police raid goes bad. And she, her and her partner get put on leave. They go to a different place to basically hang out with some family members of hers that are also law enforcement. And it's how she gets into the case of the person getting thrown off the canyon. 
very quick read, very fast moving, short chapters. Is it, is it a short book or a long book? Do you remember? I would call it a medium book. Okay. My recommendation for a fast starter is a YA contemporary. So I picked this one up. I'm doing a TBR challenge where I'm trying to read my old books that have been on my shelf forever. And so this was one I picked up that had been sitting there for a while and it's called Boys Like You by Juliana Stone. And I'm just going to give you a quick back cover copy of it. For Monroe Blackwell, one small mistake has torn her family apart, leaving her empty and broken. There's a hole in her heart that nothing can fill, that no one can fill. And a summer in Louisiana with her grandma isn't going to change that. Nathan Everett knows heartache firsthand when a car accident leaves his best friend in a coma and it's all his fault. He should be the one lying in the hospital, the one who will never play guitar again. He doesn't deserve forgiveness and a court appointed job at the Blackwell B&B isn't going to change that. There's no going back. So this one is now it's not like light and fluffy YA. These, they have some you know serious stuff in their background. So Nathan had been drinking when he you know got in that car accident and his friend is now in a coma. So he's dealing with all of this guilt And then the heroine, I'm not going to spoil it, but she has something pretty bad that happened in her background, why she's coming down to Louisiana. I love the setting because I'm from Louisiana. So that was a little bonus for me, but I read this in one day, which for me is actually pretty rare since I'm not as much of a binge reader. And I love that it, the way it dealt with grief. And then it's also a romance. So it's, you know, got that sweetness of a YA romance, but I love when there's some emotional residence in the background too. Like think about it. How many people have, you know, hurt somebody in a drunk driving accident and their kids, you know, so it, but it's now this weight on them for their whole life that they are dealing with this. So I thought it was really well done and it was super fast read. I went straight into the next book too. So, which is also rare for me to just go straight into the next one because it features a character um, from this one. So it's a, it's a good one. So my next recommendation is going to be completely opposite of that. <laughs> it's a very kind of lighthearted rom-com ish I would actually call it more women's fiction because it doesn't fully um, fulfill the expectations of a romance, <laughs> but it's called Why Moms Are Weird. And it's by Pamela, I guess, Rybin. And she had another book, and this is an older book. I think it came out in 2000. And she had another book before that called Why Girls Are Weird. I haven't read this one. This book, Why Moms Are Weird, I started reading it and I started laughing so hard I, in the first chapter that I was crying. And my husband was, he, he watched me for a little bit. And then he's like, are you having some kind of breakdown? Are you okay? Are, the, is it the, are you upset or are you, because if you've ever had to deal with a mom mm-hmm. that's a little bit different about things, this is a book for you. It uh, starts off with what looks like an author forward. Mm-hmm. And the first line of that is, I thought I should write this in case I ever accidentally kill my mom on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> then it goes into a little bit of why she feels that way. And then the actual first chapter is, and, and the main character is an adult. She is grown. Mm-hmm. Um, it's her getting a phone call from her mother her mother makes the announcement of, I think I have chlamydia. <laughs> and there's a great line in there. I can't say all the words because we like to keep our clean rating, right. but there's a great line in there where it says there's not enough cuss words for this situation. And after that, I was hooked on the book. So the story is about the grown daughter having to go back to the house that she's left and take care of her mom and take care of her sister, who is horribly irresponsible and how she deals with all of that. That one sounds fun. So when you said it's a book for somebody who has weird moms, I'm like, did my son write it? 
Uh, and our next category is shorter books. And when we put together our notes for this, we each have a section for, you know, Ronnie's recommendations and Dawn's recommendations. And as I stared at it, I realized, wow, I don't read a lot of short books. So I have no recommendation for this one. Although the one I just recommended is probably in the 65,000 range of word count, but Dawn, you have some for us. Right. I I read tons of short books. Um, for one thing, Amazon has a two hour reads tag. Mm. And so you can search for books like that. If you look at the bottom of uh, the Amazon page where it has like all the different categories that the mm-hmm. books in, you can find there's a two hour reads in there. So if you're looking for something super short, it's an easy way to find that. I also suggest looking for novellas by your favorite authors or novellas that go with your favorite series. But the two that I really wanted to recommend, one is Sharla Lovelace's Charmed in Texas series. And it's a small town, low angst romance. And they're all around 200 pages. There's a very tiny like drop of a hint of something paranormal going on. It's only related to one specific character, but they are just a lot of fun. They're all, they all have the word charmed in the title. And so the, and there's lucky charmed and a charm like you and a charmed little lie. And they're very tropey. They're based on a fake relationship or they're based on a second chance romance, that kind of thing. So I suggest those. And then um, another author, if you're looking for the kind of opposite of that is Emery Jacobs. She has the Twisted Fate series and the Velvet Thunder series, which is the Velvet Thunder series is about a rock band. High angst, lots of drama and twistedness, but you you just want to hug these people and tell them <laughs> the world's going to be okay, but they're really hot mm-hmm. and that's good. And, um, but her books are also usually very short. Yeah. And as you're talking about these, I realize I don't read a lot, bunch of these, but I have written some of these, you guys. <laughs> so if you want rock stars, I have Wanderlust. Um, which is about 55,000 words. And then I also have nice girls. And awesome. <laughs> Thank you. And then um, nice girls don't ride is a very short novella that I may talk about in a future episode, but if you need something really short and quick, that one won an award and is a brief read, but okay. So our next section, hold on, hold um, on, hold on. <laughs> I'm going to brag on Ronnie here. Cause she's like, well, that one won an award. That one won the top award for romance writers of America in that category. So it didn't just win like an award. Like we didn't just like stick a little gold star on her book for her. She has a statue that we had to get (laughs) through TSA on an airplane because she won an award. It's a really good book. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Okay. So the next section is short stories or essay collections. And one of mine that I feel like is a really fast starter and it's such an easy fun read is I feel bad about my neck by Nora Ephron. So yes, this is the Nora Ephron you're thinking of. So Nora Ephron from the movies and she has some great essay collections. So think about when Harry met Sally dialogue and all of that, like that's Nora Ephron's worldview and kind of, you know, humor. So if you like those movies, you're going to probably like her essays. This is only 137 pages. So really quick. And the, for the back cover, it says a candid, hilarious look at women who are getting older and dealing with the tribulations of maintenance, menopause, emptiness, and life itself. So even though the stage of life she was writing about is a little, I haven't gotten there quite yet. I'm on the way, <laughs> so, but I was still able to relate to it on a lot of levels. 
um, from my book journal, I looked at my book journal to see what I wrote about it. Cause I read it a while ago and I wrote Nora Ephron writes in a way that makes you feel like you're having drinks with a really entertaining friend. Some of these essays made me laugh aloud. Others, especially about raising children and adolescents were comforting and exactly what I needed to hear. I also liked the peek into a generation that isn't my own since she is, was older than me and grew up in a different time. I found that really interesting, but I didn't listen to this in audio, but I bet you it would be great in audio. Um, but it was just a fun, well-written, make you want to share with your friends kind of read. And Dawn, did you have one for this? I actually have two that go together because I'm a fan of short story collections. And so the one that I would highly recommend, especially if you like thrillers and suspense and that kind of thing, is the International Thriller Writers Association puts out an anthology. And these are like Sandra Brown, Lee Child, all of these super really well-known thriller writers. And they put out an anthology and they have two different ones that I would recommend. One is called Face Off. And that is where they paired up 23 of the world's best-selling critically acclaimed thriller writers. They each have their own character that they write in their series. And then they work together to write a short story, including both of those characters. Oh, that's a cool idea. So like, if you like Harry Bosch or if you like Jack Reacher, they were combined in these stories and they're a lot of fun. And then the one that came after that is called Matchup, which is the same kind of thing that I loved how it was described in the, by book list. It's called, they described it as think of dancing with the stars, but with mysteries. <laughs> and they took 11 of the best top selling at that time, female writers and match them with 11 of the top male writers. So you have like Charlene Harris, who we've talked about, who wrote the True Blood series, matched up with John Sanford, CJ Box. And so they matched them up and had them write their characters in. And it was, both of those are a lot of fun. So would you say that you have to be familiar with their characters before reading these and enjoying them? Or can you come in kind of cold and not have read like the Harry Bosch books or something. I think you could absolutely come in cold because I read both of these books and there's some of the characters that either I didn't know them because I don't follow that particular series or it's been so long since I read the beginning of the series and there's been so many books since then that the characters changed mm -hmm. and I still fully could appreciate all the stories. It is fun if you do know the characters because there's little Easter eggs in there. Sure. And it was also a great way to test out some new authors too. Yeah. And what's an Easter egg, Dawn, for somebody who might not know what an Easter egg is? Oh, an Easter egg is when you drop a hint into a book that somebody who is a loyal reader will recognize and they get a little like joy of being in on an inside secret that somebody who is brand new to it, it's not going to distract them, but they're not going to quite get the whole joke. That sounds really interesting. The reason why I asked if you can just jump in is because I haven't read some of those, but it sounds like an interesting concept. So I like that idea. Um, my other recommendation in the short story section is Evidence of the Affair by Taylor Jenkins Reid. I haven't talked a lot about Taylor Jenkins Reid yet, so she'll come up in future episodes probably because she's one of my favorite authors, but this is a really good way to just kind of take a, a little snippet of her and see if you like her writing style. So it's only 86 pages. The book is set in the seventies in Southern California. And I realized when I was putting this together lately, a lot of my books have been set in the seventies <laughs> that I like. So I must be somehow fascinated by the years before I was born. I don't, you know, I just like that time in the way it's set. I think it's because it's before technology and stuff. So it takes away the cell phones and all of that stuff. 
but this isn't a pistolary story, which I'm glad I said it in the first try. <laughs> it didn't mess nice. up that word, but that just means that it's told all through letters and the letters are between a man and a woman whose spouses are currently cheating with each other. So they share what they're going through. They start forming their own bond as they're writing these letters back and forth. And I, as a reader and as an author, I'm always trying to guess where a story is going to go, right? Like we're all doing that. And she didn't go where I thought she was going to go with it. And I love that. I love when I'm surprised. And so it didn't go where I thought it was going to go. It was, you know, a lot packed into those 86 pages. And what I like about Taylor Jenkins read, especially vintage Taylor Jenkins read, cause she's, she's blown up since her first books, her first books were more women's mm-hmm. fictiony. And I love personally love those books. I like her new stuff as well, but her new stuff is different. So this older women's fiction stuff always takes like a dilemma that is morally gray or that you don't know what you would do in that situation. And then she kind of plays on it. So I, I really like how she did it in this book. And, um, and like I said, it'll give you a little piece of her writing if you haven't read her before to see if you kind of like that style. But Don, you had another one for this section? I did. And everybody's going to be shocked because I'm about to recommend a Stephen King book. <laughs> so as I said, I love um, short story collections and anthologies. And one of the like classic ones that has always stuck with me is Stephen King's Different Seasons. And if you need evidence that it's great, there's The Body, which is what the movie Stand By Me is based on. Mm -hmm. And then there is also Rita Hayward and the Shawshank Redemption, which is also what uh, the movie is based on. Mm -hmm. And then there's two other stories in there. One is called The Apt Pupil and one is called Breathing Lessons. And it's not horror, obviously, because this is Dawn speaking. Right. It's not horror, but it's a great Stephen King coming of age type stories. And just, I won't necessarily say feel good stories because some of them you are not going to feel good about, but deeply you get into those character type stories. Yeah. And I love that Stephen King zone when he goes into like coming of age and all that, because one of my rad wrecks from a previous episode was Joyland and that's what it did. Um, was that coming of age. So I think he's sometimes at his best when he's taking characters like the body, you know, young characters and kind of showing them as they go through this thing. So plus the Shawshank Redemption is fantastic. I mean, that yes. movie is fantastic too, but all right. And Don, you had one more anthology for us. I did. I wanted to throw this one out there because I think it's for a great cause and it is a holiday type anthology. It's romance and it's tons and tons of very well-known romance writers. And the title of the anthology is Pencil and Tatas. (laughs) (laughs) I just wanted to be able to say that. Mm -hmm. Um, So it is a collection of all of these romance stories from all of these really well-known authors and all of the proceeds go to benefit a breast cancer charity. Awesome. Okay. Next we have memoir. And like I talked about, I love a celebrity memoir, especially kind of a juicy one. So one I read recently was, and I listened to this on audio and I highly suggest you do the same is this will only hurt a little by busy Phillips. Now, if you're not familiar with busy Phillips, she was on freaks and geeks. She was on Dawson's Creek and she's on Cougar town. So if you're of a certain generation, like me, you probably familiar with some of those shows. She's always been like, kind of the sassy rebellious character usually in things like she's going to be the loudmouth friend and all of that well when you listen to her memoir um you get that sense that you know that really is kind of who she is as a person too but i picked this up um and started listening to it after reading a really really dark book and so it was just what i needed to kind of refresh and reboot after you know a very 
intense read and she doesn't hold anything back. So this is what I love about this one is that she is not being super serious about stuff. And like, I am so important and I've had this great life. Like she's kind of always been the side character, right? She's never had like the huge starring role. So she's just, you know, doesn't have the ego that sometimes you get in a celebrity memoir, which I liked. And if she didn't like someone, she said so. So <laughs> I, like I love when, that. Yes, I love when they <laughs> name names. So like she said, James Franco on Freaks and Geeks was always acting like he was too good for everyone else. Like he was the star and she was dating him on that show. Like, you know, her character was, so they had to act together. And apparently he was, you know, being a diva. And then she's just that person that you'd want to invite to drinks and just get her a little tipsy and then let her, <laughs> let her go. Um, so they did have some touching essays in there too. And I would call this, even though it's a memoir, it's not like, this is my whole life. This is like a mm-hmm. place in time of this is what I've lived so far, but you know, she did have people that have had some tragedy around her and things, and she did get serious in some, and you could hear her choke up when she's doing the audiobook, which I think is why um, audiobook is so good for memoir, because you really can hear the emotion that they're telling the story that meant something to them. But I just like busy Phillips. I think she'd have your back in a bar fight. You know, she's that friend who you want to bring with you. Um, if you've never seen her in anything, or you have no idea who she is, I don't know if you would love the memoir because I think you have to have a little bit of background of her um, in order to, you know, attach to the memoir, but I really had a great time with it. So my suggestion in this, first of all, like I said, two, I'm going to suggest two memoirs and I fell just accidentally into both of them. Um, the first one is going to be completely different than the, the busy Phillips memoir. And that is the glass castle by Jeanette walls. And it just fascinated me. It's a short read. I read it in a couple hours and it is always used. The reason I found it is it is always used in workshops as an example of a great intriguing first sentence. And the first sentence in it is I was sitting in a taxi wondering if I was overdressed for the evening when I looked out the window and saw mom rooting through a dumpster. And this is the true story of this woman who grew up to be very successful but was homeless for a good part of her life and whose parents kind of were into the idea of free range children before that was a thing Mm -hmm. and weren't really concerned with if they had food, if they had water, societal norms, any of that. And so it's a really fascinating read to see how they survived that and how she became who she was I have this on my TBR. So it's been recommended to me um, in the past and I'm totally fascinated by the idea of this and I just haven't gotten to it yet. So it's good to hear that it was a, a worthy read. It was a great read. And then when my husband came home, I would had just finished it. And I was like, now you have to listen to me tell you all the things. And I just like bled it all out because there's a moment in the, that will probably make you very angry. And I was and he's a very good husband. He just, okay. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can see why that upset you. And um, my other suggestion for this complete opposite of the glass castle is always a bridesmaid for hire by Jen Glantz. This book is hilarious and, it, and it's got some very touching, sweet moments in it, but basically uh, Jen Glantz got tired of always being in people's weddings. She was nowhere near getting re- married herself. And the story basically goes that she had a little bit of too much wine. 
put up an advertisement on, I think, Craigslist at the time of how she was willing to be a bridesmaid for hire. You need a bridesmaid. I've got this down. I can come take care of your wedding and went to bed and woke up and had hundreds of messages. Oh my gosh. And she started a business of where she would travel to these weddings, sometimes doing more than one wedding in a day and would show up as a bridesmaid and literally like wore the dress, walked down the aisle, did the whole thing. But she was the one who always had the safety pins and knew all exactly which parents she needed to keep apart from each other and knew which, you know, of the bridesmaids didn't get along. And it's, it was just kind of fascinating to read through how that became a business for her and what it was like dealing with other people's emotions like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can't imagine who, who are these people that hire a bridesmaid? Like who is <laughs> some of them? Cause I had the same thought. And some of them, if I remember correctly, were people who were like, okay, the only bridesmaids I'm allowed to have are my cousins. And I don't like any of them, <laughs> you know, or, okay, I'm going to have these three best friends from college as my bridesmaids, but they have the organizational skills of a snail and I can't do this. Mm -hmm. So, and it was interesting because I know some of the things like they had to make up stories of who she was Mm -hmm. because the the bride didn't want to be like, yeah, I hired this chick because y'all suck. (laughs) And so they would make up stories of, oh, well, we met, you know, working back wherever. And this sounds like it could be the premise of a romantic comedy starter. Like, Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Living under some other name, you know, is at a wedding and running into a guy and he thinks you're somebody different. Yeah. Um, Okay. So next are one of our suggestions was finding a genre with some predictability or finding a series to start. So the series that I'm going to recommend is the shadow and bone series by Lee Bardugo. And I mentioned Lee Bardugo before with ninth house, but this one is a YA fantasy. And I'm just going to read the description because it's you know, fantasy. Fantasy is hard to summarize. Um, but surrounded by enemies, the once great nation of Rav- Ravka has been torn into two by the shadow fold, a swath of near impenetrable darkness crawling with monsters who feast on human flesh. That sounds fun. Um, nice. <laughs> now its fate may rest on the shoulders of one lonely refugee. Alina Starkov has never been anything good at anything, but when her regiment is attacked on the fold and her best friend is brutally injured, Elena reveals a dormant power that saves her life, a power that could be the key to setting her war, war ravaged country free. Wrenched from everything she knows, Elena is whisked away to the royal court to be trained as a member of the Grisha, the magical elite led by the mysterious Darkling. Yet nothing in the slavish world is what it seems, with darkness looming in an entire kingdom depending on her untamed power, Elena will have to confront the secrets of the Grisha and the secrets of her heart. So that's a lot of world building <laughs> with, you know, but they do a really good job of starting it fast um, and explaining the world. It's, it's based on, I think, Russian mythology. So I read it really fast. It's super fast paced. Um, and I immediately went on to the series. So it is rare for me to go on in a series these days because I am trying to do like my read wide challenge and keep my reading very, you know, change it up a lot. And so for me to get lost in a series is old Ronnie 10 years ago, not Ronnie now. Um, so this brought me back to my, my roots of reading the series. And I read the trilogy really quickly. There are spinoffs. So if you really get into the Grisha verse, you have more and more books you can dig into. There's now a Netflix series. I do recommend that you read the books. 
um, for the Netflix series. And another warning on the Netflix series, because I didn't know it when I went into it, is one of the spinoffs is called Six of Crows. And the Netflix series takes Shadow and Bone and mixes it with Six of Crows. And they do two different storylines mixed together, going back and forth. So I had read the Shadow and Bone trilogy, but I hadn't read Six of Crows and it was going to spoil Six of Crows. So I stopped watching it so I could go read Six of Crows. Um, So just as a warning, but if you want to get lost in a totally different world, there's romance. There's a dude called the Darkling. I mean, come on. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. We got to check that out. We got to know what that's about. Um, So yeah, this was one that really sucked me in and I read them all probably within a month. So Dawn, what about you? So I'm going to suggest a series with predictability. So it's kind of got both of those in there. It is not set in a dark world. It's very lighthearted. And that is the Stephanie Plum series by Janet Ivanovich. The very first book is called One for the Money. And there is a movie. The movie is okay. (laughs) Dawn's face, you guys. (laughs) I mean, it's okay. According to my husband, he didn't mind watching Katherine Heigl in the movie, but she was not how Stephanie Plum is described. So I'm just going to set that aside. There is a movie. We're just going to let it, leave it at that. But the series is about Stephanie Plum, who is a bounty hunter and she's not great at it. So she basically blackmails her cousin into giving her a job because she needs money. And her cousin um, runs a bail bonds office. And it's like, okay, here's, here's some, go catch these guys who have skipped on bail. And so every guy that are, woman don't mean to be you know discriminatory (laughs) every criminal she brings back she gets money for and the one that's going to bring her the most money is a guy that she has had a crush on since high school that she has a little bit of a history with and there's a great cast of side characters that you fully just want to you just want to go hang out with all of them and there's also uh two love interests that I won't really give away, but I am firmly on one side of the love interest. So if you have read this series or if you do read the series and you want to talk to me about team A versus team B, I will happily explain to you why team A is better. (laughs) So it's a love triangle situation? A little bit. Yes. Yes. And there are now over 20 books. Oh, wow. And so, but they're also not that strong of a commitment because there isn't a big world ending event that you want to get to. Every book wraps up pretty well on its own. Mm-hmm. So you and you could technically pick up a book in the middle and there's enough background in there that you could read it. It's just more fun to start from the beginning and get to know all these characters from there. So does each one have like a mystery that she's trying to yes. solve? Okay. Okay. My next one is a romance series. So if you're looking for a sexy fast read, Macy Yates's Copper Ridge series um, is a great one to try. So the one I'm going to recommend from the series is actually number two, because when I was looking through my notes, you guys, I've read number two and number three in this series. I have not read number one. So apparently I'm a monster who jumped into the series. (laughs) What what did you do? (laughs) So my guess is how this happened is we used to, in the before times, um, go to romance writing conventions And when we go to those, we get stacks and stacks of signed books, you know, at the book signings. Mm -hmm. And so I think, you know, I got Macy's book that was out that year, which was probably number two and didn't know that there was a number one involved. So anyway, clearly you can jump in anywhere because I did, (laughs) but yes, but the book two is called Broke Down Cowboy. And here's the back cover. 
and said there are lines that best friends shouldn't cross, but in Copper Ridge, Oregon, the temptation might be too much. If practice makes perfect, Connor Garrett should be world champion of being alone. Since losing his wife, he's concentrated exclusively on his family's ranch until Felicity Foster needs a place to stay and Connor invites her to move in temporarily. That's what friends do. What friends don't do? Start fantasizing about each other in their underwear or out of it. Since high school, Liz has kept her raging crush in check, but helping Connor rebuild his life only reinforces how much she longs to be part of it. One explosive encounter and she'll discover that getting what you always wanted could feel better than you ever dreamed. So if you've never read Macy Gates before, these are steamy books. So I wouldn't call them erotic, mm-hmm. but they're definitely open door. Um, it's funny. They're sexy. There's really vivid scenery, you know, in Oregon, because a lot of cowboy romances are set in, you know, Montana or Texas or things like that. And so I always like that she goes to Oregon for some of her settings or a lot of her settings. Book three is called Bad News Cowboy. I really like that one. So you read book two and there's a character in there that is going to be the hero or heroine or the heroine in book three. So you're going to want to jump into the next one probably. And that one featured the best friend's little sister trope where they don't want to fall in love with the best friend's little sister. Um, And that trope does work for me. So that one was super sexy. So if you're looking for something that you can kind of meet side characters, get to know a small town, know there's predictability of the romance, then um, Macy Yates' Copper Red Series is a good place to start. So... I love Macy Yates. I love her series. And so the Copper Ridge series is good. I also have to recommend the Gold Valley series. Mm-hmm. Also Cowboys. I think Copper Ridge is like down the road from Gold Valley. <laughs> I'm not sure how that all goes together, but yes, I totally second that recommendation. Yes. Apparently Oregon is just full of sexy cowboys. <laughs> yes. We should, if it wasn't for the snow, I would right. say we should all go there, but I am not okay with the cold. Right. Uh, my other suggestion, if you really want to get into a series, and again, we're talking about reading without reading through distractions. And so this is something that is going to suck you in and keep you there. It's one that I would have a hard time reading a couple chapters, putting it down and coming back, reading a couple chapters, putting it down and coming back. That is the In Death series by J.D. Robb. The first book is called Naked in Death, and it is about Eve Dallas. Most of them are would be along the lines of a thriller and it is futuristic. So Eve Dallas is a cop, but it is set in 2050. The technology is a little different, which is kind of fascinating because these were written by J.D. Robb. And if you don't know, J.D. Robb is a pen name for Nora Roberts. And Nora Roberts was writing some of these a long time ago and they have things like cell phones like the cell phones we have today. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the things they have is an auto chef, which is where you just put food in it and it cooks stuff for you. And I want to know why we don't own those. <laughs> yeah. I don't care about the flying cars. I want an auto chef. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> so Eve Dallas is a cop and she solves murders. She works for the, the as she's a murder cop is how she refers to herself. The series is amazing. It does have, there is a romance line in it, but I would not call it a romance. Um, There is pretty open door love scenes in it. And some of these, I will admit, this is for the experienced thriller readers (laughs) because some of these are, the crimes are kind of gritty. And so there's been times where I would read like three or four of these books in a row. And then I would have to stop and go read something else because I was having dreams about very bad things happening. So, but amazing writing, great series. Awesome. 
Yeah, I haven't read that series, but I hear it, you know, it's been around a long time. So I probably should try it, especially if it's gritty, because I do prefer suspense with a little grit in it. But um, our next category is one that Dawn said she avoids. So this is the doorstop, um, one that you can go through a long book very slowly or quickly, but you know, you can kind of dedicate yourself to one book. And my first recommendation by this, I, we have been really giving Stephen King a lot of money on, this, <laughs> on our episodes. So, but you know, he writes good books. So 112263 by Stephen King is really perfect for November because if you aren't familiar with the book, um, that is the date of Kennedy's assassination and Kennedy was assassinated, you know, in Dallas. So we live in Dallas, Don and I. So this had a setting that I could relate to because I've been to the Kennedy Museum and all of that. But the setup is Jake Epping's an English teacher and he figures out that he can go back in time. So I'm not going to go into all the logistics of that, but it's described very well. And he decides to use this power for what he thinks is good by going back and changing something in history. So he wants to go and stop JFK from getting assassinated. And so that's what the book is about and his, him and, you know, a side character trying to go back and do this. And then what would happen to the world if you change something like that? So if Kennedy continued to be president and all of that, um, it is so well done. And if you don't like Stephen King because of the horror stuff, this is completely different. So anybody I hear recommend this usually is like, I don't like Stephen King books, except 112263. My husband, who's not a reader, read this book, you guys. It is a long, big doorstop of a book. So for my (laughs) husband, who doesn't like, you know, reading uh, to get through this means it was really propulsive, a page turner, and, you know, just incredibly compelling. So it's one of my favorite books, probably of all time. And it'll probably end up on our rad reading rec list one day. Um, But I wanted to put it in here because. November. It's, I mean, literally the title is 112263. So if you want to see that too, yeah. Um, you can go ahead and read it, but yeah, it is a long book, but it reads really, really fast. Um, and then my other one was Wanderers by Chuck Wendig. So Chuck Wendig came out with this book, I think towards the middle to end of 2019, he wrote a pandemic end of the world book at the end of 2019, you guys. <laughs> yeah. This published um, right before all the COVID stuff happened. So I read it though, after COVID had hit. So yes, I am that person who go reads a pandemic book during a pandemic, which I know makes me a little weird, Um, but it's 800 pages. It reads really quickly. And I'll give you the back cover copy just to give you an idea of what it's about, but a decadent rock star, a deeply religious radio host, a disgraced scientist, and a teenage girl who may be the world's last hope. Shanna wakes up one morning to discover her little sister is in the grip of a strange malady. She appears to be sleepwalking. She cannot talk and cannot be woken up. And she is heading with determination to a destination that only she knows. But Shanna knows her sister, but Shanna and her sister are not alone. Soon they are joined by a flock of sleepwalkers from across America on the same mysterious journey. And like Shanna, there are other shepherds who follow the flock to protect their friends and family on the long dark road ahead. For on their journey, they will discover an America convulsed with terror and violence where the apocalyptic epidemic proves less dangerous than the fear of it. As the rest of society collapses all around them and an ultraviolet militia threatens to exterminate them, the fate of the sleepwalkers depends on the unraveling the mystery behind the epidemic. The terrifying secret will either tear the nation apart or bring the survivors together to remake a shattered world. So if you like The Stand, um, and I have, I've seen the movie The Stand, I have not read The Stand, but if you like that kind of apocalyptic not post-apocalyptic. So this is, the world is actually in. This is why as while it's happening. Right. 
um, this gives you that same feel and it's so many, like the characters are so well drawn. So a lot of times, and you know, apocalypse kind of things, it's all about plot. Chuck Wendig does a great job of developing characters you really care about and can sympathize or empathize with. Um, the parallels to the pandemic and how people react to it are freaky. Like it's scary to see like what he predicted people would react to things is kind of how we reacted to things when it actually happened. I know we're not sleepwalking, but the same kind of thing, you'll see a lot of familiar things, which, you know, was intense to read about, but um, moved really fast. And I think if you like a thriller, but that has a lot of character to it and some science fiction mixed in because you don't know why they're sleepwalking. Cause that's the creepy thing. They just, if you try to stop them, I think they blow up like, yeah. Like you they can't blow up. I think I, if I'm, re, I'm remembering right, it's been a little while, but yet there's, you can't stop them. So if you like hug them to try to get them to stop sleepwalking to their destination, that they'll like explode. So they have to let them go there. Um, so the world building of it and the science behind it and the explanation of, you know, why is this happening? It was all really well done, but yeah, it's one that definitely you can dive into and take a while with it's, it's a good dark read, but has hope too. So, all right. And Don, I think we're going to skip comfort reads for next week, right? Yes. We're going to talk about all the comfort reads next week. And so that brings us to our rad recommendations of the week. Yeah. And Dawn, why don't you do our first rad rec? So mine is kind of lighthearted because if you're dealing with holidays and you're dealing with family, I just liked this one. This is, again, it's a little bit older book. It's called Angry Housewives Eating Bonbons. It is by Lorna Landvik. And it is a, it's a women's fiction type read of, it's the story of these women who live on Frisia Court, which is like a little cul-de-sac. And the, from the back cover copy, it says the women of Frisia Court are convinced there is nothing good coffee, delicious desserts, and a strong shoulder can't fix. And it's about these women. It's set, I want to say it starts in the seventies, but it might be in the eighties and it tells their lives going 40 years, basically. Mm-hmm. And where the name comes from is at one point, the four women decide to form a book club. And one of the husbands makes a comment about, oh, it's just going to be angry housewives eating bonbons. And so they, ad- they adapted that as the name of their book club. <laughs> But you get to see each of these women's lives and you have the one woman who everything is perfect. Our lives are perfect. Everything is great on the outside. And then you find out it's really, really bad on the inside. And then you have one woman who is one of my personal favorite characters that um, they refer to her as the resident sex queen because she is not super thin, but is very open about everything that she does. And she's the Blanche of the golden girls. Yes. Yeah. She's, (laughs) she's a lot of fun. And it follows, so it follows these women through their lives and it's a really interesting kind of settle in. You want to go live there type read that also parts of it will make you realize your family's not that bad. Always good for family sagas. (laughs) Yes. All right. And I forgot to mention at the beginning of this, that if you're new to us, a rad reading rec of the week is each week we pick one book, um, a piece that we want to say is one of our favorites, that it's like one of our best top recommendations that 
um, we want to give you. So they go on a special list on our website, go to our website at radreadingpodcast.com. Um, you can see the whole list of, from every episode of all of our reading, rad reading recs. Um, mine this week is I'm going to completely nerd out. I'm going to show my, my nerdy <laughs> side, but since we're talking about distractions this week, I'm going to go back to the book that got me started on thinking about all of this and changing kind of how I handle um, technology in my life and how I handle the distractions. So it's deep work by Cal Newport. This is the back cover copy, but one of the most valuable skills in our economy is becoming increasingly rare. If you master this skill, you'll achieve extraordinary results. Deep work is the ability to focus without distraction on a cognitively demanding task. It's a skill that allows you to quickly master complicated information and produce better results in less time. Deep work will make you better at what you do and provide the sense of true fulfillment that comes from craftsmanship. In short, deep work is like a superpower in our increasingly competitive 21st century economy. And yet most people have lost the ability to go deep spending their days instead in a frantic blur of email and social media, not even realizing there's a better way. So first I'll warn you that Cal Newport, he's a professor, um, I think at MIT, and he's very academic. So the book can get a little academic-y writing, um, which I personally am totally into, <laughs> I, but I'm a nerd who likes academic uh, writing. But the crux of his argument and some of the back cover copy talks about like productivity and work and all of that. No, deep work is the ability to focus on something you want to focus on. And it can be so enriching in your life to learn how to recapture that ability that a lot of us have when we were kids um, or even teens. If you grew up before the technology, you know, boom with phones and everything um, that came to us easy and then we lost it. And so when you can recapture the ability to sit on the couch and read a book and not think about what's on my phone or what's on Netflix, or I need to check my email. It is really mentally like a complete refresh. So I'm really passionate about it. I teach a whole class on focus for writers. So this is like one of my topics that I love. If you um, are interested in my nerdy thoughts on any of this, I've done lots of blog posts on like 30 day social media bans. And I did device free summers with my son. And I talked about that online and how that changed a lot of, you know, his personality when we took away the devices for the summer and all that. So this is like the one I go back to, I don't reread a lot of things, but I've reread this book and it, it shifted, it changed my life in the sense of it shifted how I work, how I do leisure, how I handle all of that. Um, as a writer, it was really important for my creativity because we are expected to do social media and be online all the time and all mm -hmm. of this stuff, but I wasn't writing books. So I was getting distracted by all this, th these things and not doing the job um, that I wanted to do. So I completely revamped everything based on this book. He has other ones after this called like digital minimalism. And he just had a new one that came out about email, which I haven't read the email one yet, but if you like this kind of stuff, um, or if you feel like you're totally distracted all the time and you need kind of a kick in the butt to the, med the medical, the scientific, the, all the reasons of why this is good to learn how to be, you know, deeply focused again, pick up deep work by Cal Newport. So I will end my nerdy rant <laughs> where I want everybody to read deep work and we can wrap up now, but. Well, and our, our goal was for today was to give suggestions on how to keep reading through the distractions of the holidays. So I think that works perfect. <laughs> and we really appreciate you listening and sticking with us through these episodes. And I know we're getting longer and longer. It seems <laughs> yes, we're just going to keep talking yeah, forever. We just, we just are going to talk. Um, but if you are liking us, um, please remember to share with your friends or rate us on Apple podcast. That really does help. Dawn mentioned last time you don't even have to type up a review. You can just give us a star rating on Apple podcast. Just click stars. Yeah. And that's super helpful. 
Um, we do not want to do any ads or any promotion on this web, on this uh, podcast. So this is how you can help us. <laughs> you can get other people to listen to us so that we're not talking to no one. If you are interested in any of the recommendations we talked about today, full show notes can be found on our website, radreadingpodcast.com. I will list some of it in the show notes that you're seeing on your podcast app, but because we recommend so many things, Apple is telling us, I can't put the full show notes anymore. It's giving me a limit. So now you can just very inconsiderate. I know, um, but you can just click on rad reading podcast and I have all of the links and it, you know, gives you everything that we've talked about. Anything we've mentioned is all listed in there. And if you're on social media, come play with us on the rad reading podcast, Facebook page, because we put up pictures of what we're doing. There's pictures of the reading journals. And then we're also going to be talking about the holidays. So you can share with us what you're reading. We'll share what we're reading. Come hang out with us. And next week, like we said, we're going to be doing all the things comfort reading. So be sure to join us next week. And until next time, we hope every book that you pick up is rad reading. Bye, you guys. Bye.